Welcome to the Greenhouse Talent Makers Studio. interviewing forward-thinking leaders on every side of the hiring process. Great hiring is not just the result of great recruiters working their magic. It's a company-wide commitment that's vital to building amazing workplaces. And it all starts with our leaders. At Greenhouse, we know that great leaders are talent makers. They understand what it takes to elevate hiring to a strategic capability that pushes the business forward. And it's not easy. That's why we've asked some brilliant folks to join us and share the challenges they've overcome and the lessons that they've learned on the way to aligning their people strategy to their business strategy. So join me and get ready to learn what it means to be a talent maker. recruiting systems administrator, responsible for all things greenhouse and related integrations. Previously, Mason provided recruiting management and applicant tracking systems and integrations consulting as an independent consultant to the mobile games and enterprise applications industries, leveraging his prior career experiences as the head of global recruiting at San Francisco employers. Mason, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Lauren. It's great to be here. To kick things off, tell us a little bit about what you love most about working at Lyft. So I had the opportunity to join Lyft just four months ago, and um, it's certainly been an interesting and fascinating experience joining a company that is hiring so many people. Um, as we all know, Lyft is a fast-growing company. Uh, it also recently has gone public, and so there's a lot of investment in growth. And the 200-person recruiting team is working on hundreds upon hundreds of wrecks. And there are well over 200 people hired each month. The scale of that recruiting operation is fascinating. And to be a part of supporting that uh, has been uh, a great learning experience for me. And it's thrilling and intense. And it's been a great job so far. That's wonderful. When you're experiencing that much scale, I'm curious to hear from a, as a system administrator, um, how do you make sure that you're balancing keeping the wheels on the bus today and optimizing for what the org needs and looking ahead and knowing it's going to look completely different six or 12 months from now? That's a great question. So uh, I often like to think of the analogy of keeping the plane in the air, right? And how do you fix the plane if it's still in the air? Um, it's, it's definitely a, a day-to-day struggle to balance out things like uh, troubleshooting or uh, smaller configuration requests versus a much larger kind of strategic uh, configuration changes, process changes, and so on. Um, so it takes up uh, some planning, definitely solid change management, strong communications, training, and so on um, for those longer-term strategic changes. Uh, whereas on a day-to-day basis, uh, a team and myself are tackling uh, a pretty high volume of uh, requests, making sure that the system is really supporting how the recruiting team needs it to work. Uh, part of the Part of the challenge also is how do we uh, make the data that comes out of Greenhouse uh, available and transparent? And uh, we've got some really great dashboards coming out of, uh, with, with Greenhouse data. And uh, those dashboards aren't all perfect. There are still works in progress. And oftentimes when recruiters come with uh, issues that, hey, this dashboard maybe doesn't look just right, um, I'll come back and say, let's let's make sure your data is clean and accurate 
Well, let's also make sure that the dashboard accurately reflects what the real business case is, because ultimately the system that we have is to support the recruiting function, as opposed to, I've heard at other companies, where sometimes recruiters might be constrained by, oh, this is how the dashboard works. You got to work or, or manage the data in a way to make the dashboards work. And I think that's really a reverse priority. It really, the system should serve recruiting, not have recruiting, say, serve the dashboards. Absolutely. It seems like such an important piece of your role then is kind of being the bridge between a vendor and a system and what that internal end user needs. What have been some of your aha moments of being really successful in making that kind of three-party relationship work? Well, uh, there's multiple stakeholders involved. So not only are there the recruiters, there's also, of course, the candidates and hiring managers. Uh, And then other stakeholders include... um, the teams that support the systems that we integrate with. We, we happen to uh, integrate with Workday. Uh, we integrate with a, uh, like a survey tool. We integrate with a uh, business intelligence tool. So uh, m- my challenges in- in- include uh, making sure if we make configuration changes or we do something strategic that all those stakeholders have their priorities incorporated um, in getting uh, their specifications documented and getting buy-in on the change. None of that's real easy. Um, And finding some kind of balance to get all of that done while making sure the plane stays flying in the air. It's not easy. No, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm curious. Uh, Mm -hmm. At Lyft right now, what do you... What, what can you share about what kind of challenges the team is trying to solve when it comes to hiring and how, Mm -hmm. as you've thought about particularly like data and dashboards, are you supporting... That process. So we've got we've got some uh, really great dashboards built by some of my colleagues to uh, report on how clean our data is. There's some sort of uh, audit reports, and uh, the recruiting teams are being responsive to what those reports will show. And you know, all the while they're they're busy making sure that the company hires the right talent. They're also uh, asked to keep that data clean. Um, uh, but as I mentioned, it's kind of a work in progress. And as we make configuration changes to support new integrations or as we, as we make changes to support uh, new processes, uh, I mean, one example is that uh, Lyft has a really robust university hiring program. And uh, they have uh, planning needs that are far longer term. Like they, they need budgeted headcount uh, visibility that's as much as two years out. Uh, and you know what company does that? So we're already making uh, efforts to uh, plan for that and have the systems uh, support that. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, again, dashboards and other integrated systems would need to uh, align with uh, how do we run an effective university program. And I'm responsible for at least making sure the greenhouse part of it uh, is ready to support that. That's fascinating. Yeah, two years out is at a company that's growing and changing as much as Lyft, I bet pretty challenging to feel like you have accurate enough information to action. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's an assumption that we're not going to be super precise. Right. But we may have a sense of scale. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just say, for instance, if this year we have dozens and dozens of interns, you know, we might at some point in the future have maybe hundreds of interns. I, I don't know that for a fact. That's just an example. But... Um, you know, we, we need to start planning for that in order for 
the university team to get all of their robust plans, their travel plans, their you know their hiring plans, the interview and assessment plans, all of that to be supported by the system. Uh, so it's a change in scale that we have to be ready for. Um, so uh, as much as we you know we tackle the day-to-day challenges, we do have in mind what does lift look like six months, twelve months, eighteen months out. So we are already having those discussions. How do you see that change in scale and the knowledge that it will just continue to grow over time? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that getting baked into the culture? How is that changing kind of like the day-to-day to, of teams and how they set up for success? So there's, I mean, it's a multifaceted approach in terms of ensuring there's, of course, management capacity. But let's, I mean, let's focus on, on recruiting planning. I mean, there's... Uh, there were some sessions earlier at this conference talking about capacity planning for the future. Uh, so we do that at Lyft as well, where uh, we're anticipating what is the expected budget headcount for the next year. And we need to make sure that we have the sufficient recruiting resources. Uh, and it's not just, say, number of recruiting team members, but what kind? You know, Are we talking about tech recruiters or business recruiters, sourcers and coordinators and, and uh, recruiting leaders and such? All of that is rolled into... Uh, planning to make sure that we have the right recruiting resources available. And while all of that is happening, I'm, I'm watchful for uh, how do we have Greenhouse uh, ready to support all of that. Um, some of the recent changes we've been making include uh, having additional data fields on our offer request form um, because we're having much more robust review processes when we hire folks. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with ensuring hiring quality. Um, and uh, a lot of it has to do with ensuring that there's a, a consistency on how recruiters and hiring managers deliver uh, their hiring decisions for review. Um, and also some of it is we, we're expecting to do some consolidated recruiting practices where we might be hiring this, the very similar talent under certain functions, so we're gearing up for um, the system and the supporting processes to be much more consolidated, and uh, and that will ultimately drive the scale in hiring for very common roles that will be throughout the business. Interesting. The the shift in approval sounds particularly interesting. Yeah. Because it speaks to a whole bunch, a whole variety of people that will be involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that mirror? Uh, an evolution of Lyft's hiring culture? Well, uh, as is often said, uh, culture starts from the top, right? And uh, at Lyft, we've got great co-founders who have set a strong example. And uh, it's clear by uh, not only their their words, what they say to the workforce, but certainly in their acts and deeds of how the business has grown, who has been hired. It's clear that there's a very strong commitment to hiring high-quality folks with uh, a strong commitment to inclusion and diversity, a strong commitment to making sure that uh, Lyft grows for the long term. So um, it's it's quite clear that there's a commitment to, as best as possible, um, strengthening the culture, having it persist even as the company scales to as much as it's scaling. 
it strikes me that like something that approvals can do, there's two things that approvals can do. There can be like a check of like, is it in budget? And there's also like this bar kind of raising element to it of like, did we actually check that we found the best candidate? There's someone that can um, keep their eyes on that. That's correct. How, d- tell us a little bit about how you managed to do both. So it, the way uh, Lyft is approaching it is um, a little bit of a, as I, the, the word I use is consolidation where, um, uh, amongst certain divisions of the company, um, it's been decided that certain levels of management authority uh, are going to be participating in ensuring that the, the quality of hire uh, is very high. And uh, that's done through, uh, first of all, making sure that we have you know, good structured interviews uh, and that we have good interview feedback coming in, uh, but also that uh, the recruiters and hiring managers uh, make a strong documented case that they're making a strong hiring decision. Uh, and then it goes through a, a process. And, and this is a process that is not unique to Lyft. Uh, there have been other companies that have been successful with this process. So it's, it's a proven concept. Um, uh, but we're going through the motions of implementing it at Lyft. And uh, it's going well, but it takes time. Uh, and it's, it's new to some of the recruiters. It's new to some of the hiring managers. Um, but it, it, it makes a lot of sense to uh, have a company that is scaling so fast uh, and to a company that wants to adhere to such a strong, positive culture. Um, there's really not much other way to keep those things intact while hiring hundreds upon hundreds of people. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about other ways that your team kind of reinforces the culture of hiring at Lyft. You've mentioned approvals. You mm-hmm. mentioned data a little bit. How do how do you see yourself as kind of a culture reinforcement structure? Well, one of the priorities that we have in the hiring culture that we have is to have transparency of the performance data of our recruiting function, of the hiring. So um, we have a lot of data going into Greenhouse, and then we have that data flow into a business intelligence platform where there's great dashboards and so on. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, not only the dashboards meet the needs of the business, uh, but they're kept up to date uh, as the structure of the data changes. Um, uh, Part of my job is to work with other internal stakeholders, owners of these other platforms, to make sure that we keep the configuration aligned, that clean data is flowing through, and that when... Um, other certain stakeholders like recruiters point out that, hey, that part of the data transparency is not working. We attend to that and we make sure, again, that um, the, the, the business case, the reality of the recruiting operation is best represented by how we set up our systems because ultimately the system should, again, serve the business, not the other way around. Yeah, I think that's a really smart point because I think transparency can sometimes feel like a static thing, like you get to transparency, but it is a very iterative process because the business changes and like what you want to ask of the data changes. And so I imagine your team's in like a constant discovery phase with the recruiting team in terms of like what could be most useful next. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it's kind of the nature of when uh, the business or any any stakeholder asks for data or metrics or so on. there's a little bit of a dance, and uh, it's always a good practice to push back a little bit to whatever requester is for that more data, because a couple issues can arise. Um, the, the first 
typical issue is that maybe the request is not well articulated. And so it's good to ask for what is exactly the business need, what is the exact data needed. Maybe that original request was a little bit too wide-sweeping. Uh, another could be that, uh, actually related to, to being too wide-sweeping, it could be they're, they're asking for data that maybe they really shouldn't have. Uh, and what I mean by that, of course, is that some data is proprietary to certain functions or departments and uh, not necessarily to be revealed internally. Uh, so we want to make sure that we have good data management and permissions and so on. Um, but uh, in the end, you know, the business is changing, the people might be new people, so the questions are going to keep changing. Uh, and uh, as a, a data team, as a system administration team, uh, we have to continually answer to those uh, and just be smart about how do we answer those questions. Absolutely. Um, related to all the change, yeah. <laughs> uh, the world of hiring seems to be changing quite a bit. Yeah. Um, in a way that's really great, I think, for folks on talent teams mm -hmm. to be evolving with it. And it seems like everyone is talking about the fact that, like, hi hiring is, if not broken, like, in certain, uh, there's lots of opportunity for improving how we as talent functions support the rest of the business and, yeah. and vice versa, how business can support talent functions. As you look to the future, mm -hmm. um, what are you curious about right now? What do you anticipate seeing as part of that change? Yeah. So, um I mean, I pay attention to the recruiting technology industry, and I mean, there's a lot of attention to certain concepts, the AI or chatbots or other things that are intended to be tools for employers to be ratcheting up their technology arms race. I, I actually have a thought that uh, in the future, and perhaps the near future, uh, it's not just the employees, employers that are going to ratchet up their technology. I actually think individual candidates, the talent market itself will be ratcheting up their own technology where, um, I mean, candidates already have some tools available, but I think it's going to get even more aggressive where some candidates will uh, have technology to better manage not only their job search, but for those candidates who have skills and demand, um, they're going to have technology to uh, better shop themselves around and manage when they're, they themselves are available to interview. I mean, we have, as employers, we have all kinds of technology to more smartly manage interview schedule and so on. I have a feeling candidates are gonna turn around and use new technology to tell employers when they can interview. Um, and there's gonna be all kinds of things like when, they, uh, when candidates need to negotiate offers, I have a feeling there's gonna be interesting technology in the future that candidates will turn the tables on employers. So. We'll see. What do you think? Is that a, does that make the talent team's job a little bit easier, a little bit more kind oh, of, of equal playing field or harder? No, it's going to be harder. I mean, uh, uh, for all the promise of technology making work easier, uh, the, uh, you know, I've been involved with uh, tech recruiting for at least 25 years, longer than that, I think. Um, and it's always, it's really always been hard and it's just getting harder. So I don't, I don't see, uh, I mean, obviously some aspects might have been made more efficient by technology, but on the whole, the big picture is that recruiters and employers in general are going to continue to face a very challenging, hyper-competitive talent market. And uh, candidates arming themselves with new technology will be part of that landscape. It's a really interesting point. I think that employers think about candidate experience from their own 
center, right? Like how they create an experience that is good for candidates. Mm -hmm. But there will be a matching of that, of like a candidate-driven preferential experience. Yeah. And and we'll have to kind of catch up. Yeah. I mean, match that. if you think about it, there's already things, candidates can already arm themselves with information like from Glassdoor or other employer review sites. But if they can get even more granular in, again, managing like their interview process or managing the offer negotiation process, I think it's going to, the future is going to be really interesting. I think the offer negotiation one in particular is just a great thing for everyone. Like more transparency there, I think, is good for candidates and good for businesses long run once we just kind of see the same information and feel like we can come to the table with the right offer. Yeah. Well, so, so just, I mean, a thought was that... Um, the, the sector of the, the talent industry that has been making a lot of progress and innovation are those platforms that manage uh, gig workers, so like an Upwork or, or just many others. I, I think there's a lot happening, a lot of innovation that's happening there that could then get extended to the regular full-time employment industry. So something to watch. Interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, we have all seen, uh, at least from afar, what it looks like when it when it doesn't work out, mm. when um, the recruiting process is broken or the candidate experience process is broken. What's a cautionary tale? Maybe something you saw someone else do that you kind of carry with you as a reminder of like not not going to do that, not the way I want to operate. Yeah, I, I'll I'll reflect on kind of my prior career in in heading up recruiting at companies. This is not necessarily relevant to my current workplace, but but in, in managing lots of recruiters over the years, um, I've learned that r recruiting is best delivered uh, by respecting that uh, recruiters are very much consummate professionals, and uh, recruiters uh, need to have a sense of ownership and discretion, uh, especially when how uh, a recruiter establishes their relationship with the hiring manager. So um, I think the mistake to avoid is when uh, recruiters are kind of forced into too strict of a process uh, uh, or if, uh, if a system has too rigid of a workflow, um, that, can be, that can be an issue. And I've seen some really strong recruiters just work so well when they're given the, the latitude to set up their own workflow to uh, determine how are they going to earn trust with a hiring manager. Uh, as, as a recruiting lead, I can't dictate exactly how that trust is earned. So ultimately, I think the lesson is um, experienced professional recruiters should be given a lot of latitude, a sense of ownership uh, in driving success with how they relate to hiring managers. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, particularly because from a systems perspective, you need both. You need like the structured required elements to have the data you need and then the flexibility to let that person express how they work best. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I'm mean, bringing it back to what I'm doing today. I mean, I, I'm responsible for systems at Lyft. And, uh, and while I, I partner closely with recruiting leadership, ultimately uh, they, they choose how to manage the recruiting function. Um, but definitely the system is intended to support how the recruiters get their work done. And we, we strive very hard to make sure that they have the data that they need, that, that they have the, the forms and workflows and overall processes supported so that the hiring gets done at Lyft. 
thinking about that hiring manager recruiter relationship mm -hmm. you mentioned yeah. for the hiring managers listen listening what would be one tip you would have for them on how they could kind of better partner with their recruiters yeah um the the best practice that i've seen and i've and I've, i'm watching get implemented where i'm working now um, is the requisition intake process. And uh, the tip for hiring managers is that if their recruiter is not already conducting a thorough intake process, then the hiring manager should, on their own initiative, to work with that hiring manager to clearly set expectations, define what's the hiring success criteria, uh, to set out what is the process, who are the interviewers, uh, who, what each of those interviewers are going to interview for, all that preparedness counts so much towards the success of getting the job filled with the right person at the right time and to make sure it's the right job. So uh, the, that intake process, even though it's usually recruiter-driven, if a hiring manager is not already experiencing it with the recruiter, that, that hiring manager should take initiative. Absolutely. And I, I'll, let, I'll just volley that into one uh, final question, sure. which is, what is one piece of advice you'd like to impart to our listeners who are either just getting started in the process of educating their org um, about the importance of hiring on business or trying to kind of take it to the next level? It certainly mm -hmm. sounds like an intake process for hiring managers. Um, what's, is that where you'd start for the recruiters too? No, I, I would go bigger picture and say that an effective hiring strategy um, requires many levels of sponsorship. And so you go as high as you can, the CEO if possible, and get strong sponsorship that if the company is hiring, they, they prioritize hiring. And that comes from the top. And, uh, and if the CEO makes it a priority, then the CEO's direct reports will also make it a priority to say, let's do all the proper planning. Let's devote enough time to uh, allocate to actually properly opening jobs, conducting interviews, and so on. Um, and that, that sponsorship then goes down the line through the hierarchy. Um, and the, the concept that uh, recruiters are not the only ones who recruit. It's the whole business that recruits. That's, that's a strategy that any company of any size can pursue. So startups to companies bigger than Lyft should be uh, pursuing a concept of sponsorship that it, that. And this ties into this conference's uh, theme of talent makers, that the idea of an engaged hiring executive being the key pivotal factor of whether a hiring initiative is successful. I mean, hiring maker is just another way of expressing uh, that engaged hiring executives is essential. So I'm, I'm all for the, the concept of talent makers, uh, and um, I'm all for how Greenhouse uh, respects that concept. And uh, we'll, I'm looking forward to see how Greenhouse best supports that. Awesome. That was so well said, Mason. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will see you next time in the Talent Makers studio. Thanks a lot, Lauren. Appreciate it. in the Talent Makers Studio. Tune in to our next episode as we explore stories of how great leaders and managers at companies like VaynerMedia, TalkDesk, Alphabet, and Bevy are transforming business by changing their approach to hiring. You can also learn more by visiting greenhouse.io backslash talentmakers. Talent Makers.